morning. Today's scripture reading is from John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are that fourth Sunday, anticipating, still waiting, longing for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This place of anticipation should be building. Now, some of you, that anticipation has turned towards aggravation. And you just can't wait for this to get over. Like, can we just get past this to the next thing? I think as we're looking at this prologue, in this last verse, as we're reading it, we should recognize that there were many who were reading this, and John himself who wrote it, had been living in a place of anticipation for so long, waiting for Messiah to show up, that at some point in their life, I'm sure that they were thinking, God, would you just get this done? Would you just finally show up and claim us as your people like you promised you would? And so when we see John writing this, summing up the prologue, and the word became flesh. That this word that is God, that was God, that was there from the beginning, that created all things, that this word that is the light and life for all people, this word that came into its own, yet its own rejected him. But to everybody who believes... They have the right to be the children of God. This word becomes flesh and dwells among us. There's this place that the readers of this biography of Jesus, of the gospel of John, that John himself, as he's writing it, his heart probably began to race and, and thinking to himself, yes, it finally happened. All the waiting, all the longing has taken place. I just want everybody else to know it and see it. That the word became flesh and dwelled among us. See, here's the thing. They knew, John knew as he's writing this, that people would know that in the beginning as they read the book of Genesis, as they grew up with the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible, that they had seen God interacting with humanity. They know that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And they're like, we want that. They know that God shows up when Moses says, I need to see you. God says, okay, go up to this mountain. I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to put my hand over you. And he just turns and barely sees the glory of God. They're not going to know about Isaiah who stepped into the temple and sees God high and lifted up on the throne and really is just catching the hem of his robe and knows that he is a wicked man who needs to seek forgiveness. And John's probably thinking to himself, you've shown up and you've shown up, but now, 
You've done more than just be here for a moment. You've done more than just show your backside. You've done more than just show the hem of your royal robe. You became flesh. You took on humanity. Fully God and fully man. And not only that, you didn't just show up for a minute. You dwelt among us. You lived with us. You came into the house. You were present on a daily basis, interacting with all of humanity that was present around you, engaging with them, not lording it over to them, not being the one that says, I am the creator, but actually serving. See, because John is writing this prologue, he obviously has all the rest of the book, right? He's writing it after he's lived this life with Jesus. It's not his daily diary that we've gotten printed out here. So he's writing the prologue. He's got all of what he knows of his life with Christ had been on this earth. And so when he says you dwelt among us, it carries weight. They ate together. They grew tired together. Living, breathing, entering in. Emmanuel means God with us. In this idea of dwelling among us, being made flesh, we see that come to reality. It's not just God for us, it's God with us. It's not just God checking on us, it's God with us. It's not just God uh, having a list and making sure we're doing things right and checking it twice, it's God with us. That he's more than for you. That he's more than against you. (laughs) He is with you. Present. John, I'm sure as he's writing that, could remember sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper and leaning on him as he tells us that he does and hearing Jesus' heartbeat. I'm sure he can remember those times in the boat where the water got a little rocky and, and John grabbed hold of Jesus. I'm sure that he remembers the smell of Jesus. He says, you dwelt among That God was not okay with being separated. (laughs) That he wanted to be present. He's always been that way. This calls back to the temple and to the tabernacle. When the nation of Israel was trying to get back to the promised land and go to where God was. God said, I will dwell among you. Build this tent. I will be present in that place. But now he's got flesh and bone and blood. So that he can know all that we go through. So he can experience it completely. Not that he didn't know that already. Not that he already wasn't empathetic and sympathetic. Not that he already wasn't present. But he said, I want to show you how much. And I will dwell among you. I will be present. Then he says, and we saw The glory, the glory of the only one, Son and the Father, full of grace and truth. So what do you think that looked like for John? 
what started when John got called and said, I want you to follow me, and he couldn't do anything else but. It started when he was at a wedding with Jesus, and Jesus is like, Mom, I'm not ready yet. And she goes to the servants, do whatever he asks you to do. And Jesus turns water into wine. And he sees this miracle and goes, what's going on? He, he, he knows that what the glory and truth is, is when Jesus goes into the temple and there's all sorts of things that shouldn't be happening in there. And he says, this should not be happening here. He does it quite forcefully. He knows what the glory and the truth and the grace of Jesus is when he says, we saw it. He remembers the Samaritan woman. That they went out to go get food and they came back and here's Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. Somebody he shouldn't be talking to. And he saw the care and compassion and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness that he gave her. He knows that Jesus reached out to those who were their oppressors and saved their sons. He watched Jesus feed 5,000 people. He saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. More than that, he heard Jesus talking, calling out sin where there was sin and righteousness where there was righteousness. He heard Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the bread of life. He watched Jesus pray, praying over people, praying for them. He watched Jesus cry, weeping over the sorrow of death that death brings. When John says here that we saw the glory of God, that we witnessed it full of grace and truth, in his mind he's recalling all of these things that he's written out. He knows what Jesus did. He saw what Jesus And Jesus acted as God in flesh, moving with care and compassion and justice and truth and mercy. And so when he says that we saw this, we beheld it all, he's remembering all those things and calling them out, getting ready to show us as we read the rest of this biography. That this Jesus shows us God completely. That he is merciful and truth, mighty and pure, holy and righteous, compassionate, and caring. That he walks with those in sorrow because he knows what it's like to be sorrowful. That he dances with those in joy because he knows what it's like to have joy. That he longs to fill up the hungry because he's been one who's been hungry. That he walks with the tired because he's been put down himself. That that Jesus who became flesh, all of the glory, all of the majesty, all of the truth, and all of the grace is wrapped up not just in what he's done and what he said, but in his ultimate act of pursuing us by being on the cross. And so when John writes that out, he is looking to the cross and to the resurrection as well. Saying that I know that when this word became flesh that dwelt among us, that, that grace and truth showed up on the cross and then came forth from the grave 
to bring new life to all who believe, all who encounter. Paul put it this way for us in Philippians 2. It's a good way to think about it. He says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, whoa, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The ESV version of the Bible, the English Standard Version that's printed here. It says, and we have seen. The NIV says, and we have seen. The, the, um, I think the message says something like, and our eyes got to see him, or something, you know, poetic. The Christian, the contemporary English version says, seen. But when I first learned this passage, it was in the King James. And the King James says this word, and we beheld. There's something about seeing something. Like, yep, I got it. I just saw that red light, (laughs) right? To behold something is to know what it is. To behold something is to allow seeing it to move beyond just perception to transformation. That because I've seen it, but I have beheld it, I am now understanding it, and I am now having it be transformed. That's our call today as we read this prologue and we get to the end. That call today that John is getting ready to kind of push through the rest of this biography that he tells us about Jesus is to move beyond seeing to beholding, to move beyond the perception to the acceptance. Because when we begin to behold Jesus, then our lives begin to transform and change. To see him is to recognize him as a great man, a a mystic or or, or a great prophet. To, To see him is to say, I've got a category to put you in. To behold him is to have him transform the way that I perceive. To behold is to have my life altered and changed. My spirit rearranged in order to be like I was meant to be. That we behold him full of grace, truth, that we see the glory of God in Him. And in beholding it, our lives are changed. And it gives us the power that we need to actually live to bring that glory to God. That we don't just behold the glory, that we actually become the glory. (laughs) 
That we don't actually just behold and see the grace and truth, but we become it to those that are around us. We live exemplifying grace and mercy and truth, righteousness and justice and compassion. That we cry with those who cry and we dance with those who dance. That we feed those who are hungry because we've been hungry. And we rest with those who need rest because we've been tired. That we struggle with those who struggle because we've struggled. And we know that we're empowered because we have seen God and beheld him full of grace and truth. Let me pray for us. Uh, you becoming flesh is so um, hard to grasp sometimes. And we thank you for the biographies, the gospels that we have from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John that help us know what that was. And we thank you for Showing us, God, completely. Move us to holding on to it. <laughs> Move us to grasping hold and, and, and not letting go. Not by our power. Holy Spirit, you alone can cause that to happen. And so we ask you to do that today. Whatever words are not yours, let them burn up and fly away. And if there are any words that are yours, God, let them take root in our heart today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and sing.